0: Welcome to the ATF podcast. In this episode, we speak with Storm Bowen. Storm is a decorated veteran of the US Army and is the owner and founder of Operation Cigars for Warriors. Cigars for Warriors is a registered 501C3 charity whose mission is to deliver cigars to the United States Armed Forces who are sacrificially serving in active combat zones across the globe. For our soldiers on deployment, something as simple as being able to sit down with a cigar makes a world of difference. It gives them a chance to take a few moments for themselves and relax and enjoy a taste of home. Storm along with his selfless and sacrificial team have delivered over 1.3 million cigars to our troops overseas. We enjoyed our conversation with Storm and believe that you will too, because a story that has led him to serve our troops in this way is challenging and inspiring. Cigars for Warriors is a charity that we trust and encourage you to go out of your way to donate to their mission. Donating is as simple as dropping a cigar or 20 in the donation box at your local shop. You can also donate by visiting cigarsforwarriors.org slash donate now. It makes a world of difference to those who receive them. If your local shop is not yet a Cigars for Warriors donation center, encourage them to do so and direct them to Cigars for Warriors by visiting cigarsforwarriors.org slash contact us. Cigars for Warriors is made possible only by the generosity and donations from people like you, and they and our troops overseas greatly appreciate your support. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We hope you enjoy it.
1: I am super excited to have uh, today's guest on because uh, we we've never met, but we actually have a lot in common. Those of you who, who know us know we take a lot of pride in our own company motto, which is relentlessly serving those who serve. And uh, today's guest, Really lives that motto every day. Stormbone is CEO of Cigars for Warriors, an amazing nonprofit group that is uh, is right there alongside, shoulder to shoulder with our frontline men and women out there, uh, protecting our freedoms abroad and making them, giving them a little piece of home and reminding them that they're out there and they're not alone. Um, so, uh, Storm, thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time, and especially thanks for all you're doing to serve those who serve.
2: I love it. I uh, appreciate it very much. Having me on board, I like the whole concept you guys have. I mean, ATF is about as perfect a name as you can get for any <laughs> for any kind of soldier. Um, I mean, that's our food and, and bait and tech. So, uh, amen. B- about as perfect as you can get, right there.
1: Well, I I, I tell you, you know, there's uh, there's maybe certain government agencies that may not like it all that much, but uh, and 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 we've had a couple people kind of raise an eyebrow and kind of say, so th- this isn't like a in support of the Bureau thing, is it? And I'm like, no, 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 This is, uh, this is all about American freedom and American lifestyle. And, uh, the, the people that, uh, at least I hang around with and call extended family, um, you know, this is kind of the, the backbone of their passion in life and it's just always been a part of their life is, you know, during the best times and, and the worst of times it seems, uh, you know, there's, there's always a firearm, a cigar and a glass of whiskey, uh, in close proximity. So, um, so I figured we would, uh, form a publication to celebrate some of those freedoms that, you know, this country has, uh, has and continues to fight for the freedom for these things. And, you know, I, I, I don't know many things out there that the government feels the need to form a whole agency to, uh, to protect, but, uh, but I'll tell you, these these seem to be constantly in the crosshair since our founding, and uh, I'm I'm just glad that we still have these freedoms to enjoy.
2: No lie, um, you know, like I I understand the need for ATF, but I never understood the need for FDA being involved in anything that's involved with in ATF. Um, yeah, we've had you know we've been going around and around. Our charity's been going around and around with FDA since 2016. As you can imagine, it's just uh, they taken our mandate and gone way past it. Just pretty much like everything else has been going on. Uh, yeah, people taking their authority and, and taking more than it's what they should be doing.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah, I agree. Well, listen, we, uh, we we start out all these calls in kind of a fun way, and uh, and there's a reason behind it. So I've got I've got three uh, three easy questions at you, and uh, and don't break the trend because everybody always remembers the answer to all three so uh do you remember your first tobacco experience
2: yeah i do um my granddad in summers he'd run a fireworks stand and give all the money to charity and he always he always chewed red man and i you know being a young kid at eight (laughs) seven eight years old 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 papa's chewing some bubble gum as far as i know and i see him doing this every day and so i'm begging him, hey i want some of that it's like no boy you can't handle it so one day he just says all right here you go and hands me a big leaf and of course I start chewing it and swallowing it and not realizing what's about to happen and of course what you imagine would happen. I mean I picked over the dream. side of the road and, yeah. so that was my first experience
1: oh uh, that's fantastic um do you remember your your first alcoholic drink
2: yeah that's funny I do remember that um I was at my uncle's farm. My dad and him and his brother were all playing poker. And uh, I come walking into the room, at, again, really young. And they're all <laughs> drinking Coors beer. And I found Playboys, which I didn't know what the heck those were either. But I looked neat.
3: Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. I walked
2: in with my, my dad and I was like, what is this? And, and I see him bring the beer. And I was like, you know, reached out. I was a pretty shy kid. So for me to do that was already sticking in their heads. Like, Reached out he said, There you go. The bad thing is I actually enjoyed it. You know, uh, of,
3: you, know yeah, you traditional you didn't, course. You didn't, yeah, you didn't
1: you didn't have the reaction that maybe he was hoping <laughs> no. you'd have. Yeah, he had to take no. it away
2: from me. He goes, he goes, that's the last time I'm walking.
1: No, I I I do the same thing with our kids because, you know, I I mean, you know, they they grow up around, you know, me and our extended, you know, family of friends that, you know, are are almost all former military or cops or both and uh you know we sit around and you know talk about life and whatnot and uh i've got an 11 year old daughter and a five-year-old son so if you're feeling old imagine walking in my shoes, being my age with two little ones but um you know they each of them right around the same age so bennett at five just did it olivia around around her at the same age did the same thing inevitably they come out and say oh you know can, can I have a sip of that and so just a few weeks back Bennett comes out and he goes, "Oh, Daddy, what are you drinking?" I said, "Whiskey." And he says, "Oh, it looks like apple juice. It doesn't taste like apple juice." He <laughs> goes, "Oh, let me try it." I said, "All right." Then my wife kind of gives me a look, you know, of course, a disappointing, horrible father look. And uh, so, you know, thankfully, he started with whiskey. So he took a sip and spit it out and said, "That's disgusting." I said, "That's the right answer for now, boy."
2: I do remember grabbing <laughs> some of my uh, my dad's a. Uh- really peaty scotch and realizing that was horrible
1: yeah they were gonna yeah. drink
2: that again
3: yeah
1: yeah and then uh last question which uh you know where this is going do you remember the first firearm you ever shot Oh uh, man I mean, this is time. usually the this is usually the easy one
2: well i started very young on my granddad's ranch so I remember the first time I used it against something. It was on coyotes. Um, I was, a, and I still, I, must, I love animals. So shooting coyotes is pretty rough for a six, seven-year-old kid. And, yep. But I could always see better in my granddad. So he, plus he thought it would be a good <laughs> life lesson. So we went, you know, middle of his ranch, middle of nowhere, and, and uh, pitched ourselves down near his cattle. And we waited and waited. about four in the morning, here they come see about six sets of eyes that's really all i could see and he started telling me to shoot and i was like no okay. and so i got got my ass whipped, and then got back down there and, and and ended up taking the coyotes out i think i got two out yeah. of four or five of them but yeah yeah I, I do remember that very clearly to this day which is bad because i don't remember what i did yesterday so
3: yeah
1: well you know it, it's funny and you know that's uh that's exactly the reason why I asked the questions, which, you know, I, exactly why we're excited about this publication and, and all the things that, you know, we're, we're going to share, you know, with that is, you know, for some reason, these three things, you know, are our emotional experiences, right? You know, I, I mean, every, everybody remembers them, you know, no matter how many times you've, you've fired a weapon since, no matter how many times you've had a drink or a smoke since you, you kind of always remember your first time um, and you know there's a couple other first times that everybody always remembers that you know we're not going to cover in the magazine but uh, but nevertheless right these are these are kind of important um, you know milestones as as you grow up and you know they they're things that are reserved for adults and and men and I think as young men growing up we kind of always remember that first experience of oh, so that this is what it's like to be a man yeah i, I want to i want a little bit more of that um yeah. and it's funny no matter no matter how old we get we never forget it right
2: yeah i, I mean you said you took the words out of my mouth it's that first experience that you felt like you're a man or you're you're on the right track of being looked at as a man um so yeah i'm sure it's not taught that way anymore which is kind of sad but it definitely i remember those feelings a confidence, uh, of being part of the, the crew of men, you know, being part of my dad's, uh, stuff he had going. So yeah, yeah. You, you, you said it right on.
1: Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. So listen, um, you know, before we start getting into, you know, what, what it is you're doing, which is, you know, amazing. I, I, I can't believe you're doing it. I can't believe you're doing it with the resources that you're doing it with. But, uh, you know, t- tell me a little bit about your own background and upbringing.
2: Um, born on a reservation, moved before I can remember. Uh, moved to Lubbock, Texas. Um, went to a private Christian school for most of my childhood. Moved out when I was 16. Went to a public school for the first time on my own. It was pretty good. I uh, ended up scholarship, played football at the New Mexico Military Institute. I uh, did, you know, finish my two years in college there. You know, one of the few colleges you can graduate in two years and join the military as an officer. Um, being a young, dumb kid, I said, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so, so I thought, you know, all I did all these hours playing football and corps cadets. I go back home at Tech and take even more hours and get done faster. Right. So I came home to Tech, took me another three years to get my degree and another three years to get my master's. <laughs> uh, of course, I was working and partying and doing all the things, you know, normal kid would do. Uh, worked a lot. Uh, grew up in the agriculture industry as well. Uh, as an entomologist for a while. And then bartending a lot of times during the school years. And that, you know, became one of the themes when I met my wife. I said, you know, I can't do this bartending anymore. Uh, so I started waiting tables. And that's when you wor- learn what real work is and, and humility. That's
3: the truth. It's true. Um,
2: so from there I thought, you know, I think I might join the military. And what it all came down to was I ran into a buddy of mine who was a recruiter. And oh boy. I was it all at starts his house. with a re- it's funny it does, <laughs> but he didn't try to recruit me. But what I saw was an NCO Creed. First time in my life I've ever seen that. NCO Creed. And it just resonated like nothing has ever resonated with me before, or sense yeah. to be honest. And uh so we had a long talk with my wife, my wife was extremely supportive, uh, went to Bragg for almost nine years, got tired deploying. <laughs> so back 2002, I got in reserves, went, came home to Lubbock, Texas again, joined civil affairs thinking, I don't know what the hell it is, but it stays in, you know, it's still in special operations, but it can't be that big a deal. To find out the most deployed MOS in the military,
3: exactly. I was, I was gonna say,
1: you picked the wrong time, to, I, I mean, 2002.
2: Well, you know, nation rebuilding is what we've been doing since Vietnam, and that's pretty much right. what civil affairs does. Uh, wartime has a whole other mandate, which is pretty fun and interesting. Um, so I ended up deploying even more as a reservist <laughs> than I ever did as an active right. duty, right? Uh, I enjoyed my time in the military, I got 18, almost 18 and a half years in, got shot up pretty good. Um, was in the hospital for a couple of years. And when I got out, didn't really have much to do. So I was, my, the room I'm sitting in is a man cave of mine. My uncle, my uncle, my brother-in-law came over. Uh, he was a retired builder. And I kind of told him what I always wanted to do with this room. It was just a siding and a strand of wire and a concrete. And so we ended up building this, took us about three years. Well, the reason I bring that up is because one day he said, hey, you wanna go get a cigar? I said, yeah, definitely. Now, you know, you can imagine all the drugs that the military gives you uh, when you're convalesced, couldn't taste anything. So I grabbed a tobacco special, it was about all I could reach with a wheelchair those days. And uh, got home, smoked it with him. He showed me some things I've been doing wrong for years and years, which made it so much better, as you can imagine. Uh, yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm tasting something. Right? I'm like, wow, this is great! It's sweet. It tastes like you know, chocolate, cocoa. You know, all I remember my memories before smoking cigar in the military was a couple of really uh, poignant moments. But you know, like at, before we left on this point, we go to a cigar bar. Big tradition yeah. around that. And of course, you don't know any better. You're, you're a young soldier and you go in that humidor and you see a you know, $2 cigar that big and a $12 cigar that big. Yeah, you're gonna go give me the big one. Giant baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know my experience is I smoking cigarettes when I it, so I'm trying to smoke it like a cigarette and you're all lying to each other. Yeah, we're all right. doing it. We're lying to each other going, oh, that is it's the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and, while uh, you're dying, yeah. right. And you're just wanting to put it down and never pick it up again. Um, so my brother-in-law showed me how to do it the right way. And it made things so much better. The very next day I went and he said, you wanted to get another one. I said, hell yeah. So thinking my logic in those days, which ain't saying a lot, <laughs> I grabbed the cigar next to it, thinking that was really good. The one next to it might be even better. And it was a Rocky Patel made by Drew Estate, uh, tobacco, not tobacco, the Java cigar. Yeah. So again, really sweet. Almost tastes like a cup of chocolate. Yeah. I was like, this is phenomenal. (laughs) Glad you left. I started looking in these uh, bands because he told me you ought to tape them, write your little notes about it. Then, you know, a year or so later, try to get it, see what you think. So I was doing that. And then I saw Drew Estate. I had no clue what Drew Estate meant, but I got on what I thought was Google and I was still on Facebook. You know, not none of my best. Time in my life, so I typed it in the engine. Search engine it was actually Facebook search engine and it opened up to cigar groups. It's like, what the hell is this? Are people actually gather in on a group right. to talk about cigars. It just blew me away. So I just sat there and watched it for months and eventually had courage to get on a couple of others and then courage enough to, you know, make a couple of comments. And then one or two posts but the funny thing is every post i made i just got chewed out uh, <laughs> I broke every unspoken rule in those days you weren't supposed to do again it was
3: it was nothing
2: ever written down you just got chewed out um the last straw was i i found Cuba kuba acid i thought it was a great cigar a lot of military guys like acid especially when yeah. we deployed yeah. um so I'm sitting there and I got on online cigars. I was like, "Wow, this is so much cheaper from <laughs> right. my store." And I thought, "Well, that will be pretty cool. I'm going to show this off and post this in this group, the Druid Tech Group." Three hundred comments later, how I was the devil and what's wrong with the world today about supporting the brick and mortars, right? And uh, so I thought I'd start my own group. It'll be five of us. We'll just share. We'll just share the sales we find. Okay, and it you know. Problem was I didn't know what I was doing, so I didn't turn off the uh, uh, one of the settings for the privacy join. Yeah, yeah. So within about 48 hours, we had about 2,000 people join, and it just <laughs> just kept growing and growing and growing. Eventually, uh, we start decided to one of my friends. His name was Ben Edmondson. He was our original treasurer for Cigar for Warriors. Uh, old submarine on the Korean War. And we were talking about what it meant to us smoking a cigar in combat, the similarities and yeah. things that weren't similar. Now, you're talking about two completely different generations. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, two different ways of smoking a cigar, two different philosophies, everything. But in combat, the same emotions I felt were the same emotions he felt. The same benefits yeah. I got were the same benefits he got. And it yeah. was just really fascinating. It really fascinated both of us. Now we both have a kind of a science background. He uh, he got his degree in uh, as a master's degree prepared nurse, and I got mine in virology. So we, we kind of took up that, and started thinking about that a lot. And one day he comes to me and says, "There's a guy running around sending cigars to the troops." Well, to make a huge long story very very short, the guy we I started I got him involved. I got involved with him, a couple other people along guy turned out to be pretty shady luckily he found this out after about six weeks uh, he's one of those guys that claimed he was an uh, injured navy seal commander oh uh, right away
1: there's a red yeah. flag
2: of course he never served a day in his life now he right. wasn't lying about being injured we found out from the police he was injured <laughs> when he was trying to break in someone's house When oh, a trampoline the winds were so high an actual trampoline in the backyard hit him <laughs> that's called karma so we we tried to do everything we could and that was the same year that obama decriminalizing the decriminalized stolen valor act so we reported it to him reported it to the navy seal commission guys and that's about all we could do but as you can imagine i was still in the military at this time i'm still on military yeah medical so the last thing I need to do is get in any kind of trouble. But uh, one of the people I recruited, her name was Elaine DiBanano. And she called one day. She said, I've talked to everybody. We all want to keep doing the mission. And i never forget these words. She said, the mission's too beautiful to give it up. And those words, it's too beautiful to give it up, just really resonated with me. And I said, all right. So we got together. We had a first meeting. I said, I got three conditions. I'll join this. Where we go hard and fast, we do it by the book, bylaws, or associations. We we'll get our, we'll get a non, non-profit status in Florida. And we'll turn it into our five hundred one c three. Now, yeah. most these guys I had no idea about any of this, but I had some time when I was in reserves, working with state, building the ethics council of Texas. Uh, so I had a little bit of familiarity with that. So we did that. My third request was I didn't want to run anything. I'll support it. I don't want to run shit, so I got two out of three of my wishes. I was gonna
1: say two uh, two out of three is not bad. That's hall of fame had, in baseball.
2: Yeah, and every in every monthly meeting we have, I always ask anybody want to take over CEO duties, no one ever <laughs> jumps at that. Um, yeah. So that's where it really started. We we had no idea what we were doing. Um, there were seven of us when we started, in the first official meeting with our new titles, new position, new responsibilities. I said, well, we have to have a 1st tier goal. And that goal needs to be slightly impossible. Now, we're kind of like me and you're doing right now. We're on a Google Hangouts. Yeah. And so we're all looking at each other virtually because we're all from different parts of the country, including our vice chair was in Afghanistan. And uh, we had another one of our, our original ones, a military liaison was in uh, South Korea. So this is You know, about as worldwide as you can get. And uh, I said, 800 cigars shipped to the troops in the first year. I'm thinking that's about reasonable. I got chewed out. I got cussed out. I got, you know, where are we going to get the cigars? Where are we going to get the money to ship the cigars? How do we do it? Who's going to do all this? And then how do we find the troops to send it to? How do we validate that? I said, guys, this is a slightly impossible goal. Right. Well, the first month we shipped out 860. So we actually broke our goal. The, the first year month.
1: goal in first month.
2: And then by the end of that first year, we shipped out close to 93,000 cigars. Oh my God. That was just the first year. And really, only a couple of companies really supporting us at that time. One being Drew Estate, who started with us from day one, Bobita yeah. started us before day one. Uh, and Famous Smokes, they started with us. And the rest of us was really the people on social media sending us cigars. We would do these horrible auctions on, on the, and I would use my social media group and do these horrible auctions and stuff we thought was cool. And people just out of generosity would, would bid cigars to win. And so that's yep. how we started was with this bidding of cigars yep. instead of money. Then we realized we needed the money to send this stuff <laughs> so the first half year the the everything was sent was pretty much out of a handful of our own pockets, and we just did it on our own um and that's that's the start of CFW. I mean there's a lot more stories, but you know that the key idea of it was start out with a conversation
3: with, it looks
2: like with my uh, buddy ben edmondson and uh one of the questions he asked me was, "What did, what cigar did you remember the most when you were deployed?" And I remember probably clearest of all. Of, and I do remember most of them very clearly uh, is 2003. we invaded Iraq. Several of us went through the palace, and we came out. We found some. We assumed were Saddam Hussein's cigars. Right. So we're in a little group of about six or seven of us. And we're smoking them. And as Major walks by and he's telling us, good job, guys, whatever. Uh, you know, those are pretty big cigars you got. He goes, how do you think? What do you think about them? We told him where well, we got them. And uh, not noting your audience, so forgive my language, I told myself,
3: these taste like
2: Saddam, Saddam subbing his ass, and we're smoking them now.
3: That's how bad they were.
2: And they were, they were horrible. He has, the first time I ever saw a travel humidor, his major had. So he opened his little humidor and started passing cigars out to each one of us. And to this day, I remember what mine was, an, was Perdomo. And uh, to this day, I have several of those cigars every year. to yeah. But that moment, because of the emotions you're having, the people I was with, Absolutely. what we just accomplished, you know, the overall were. Who, we were. who
1: gave it to you absolutely yeah
2: remember all of that uh it was really cool because i was able to get that found that major a few years back and uh i actually shipped him a big box of uh, 40 cigars out of my own stash i told him thank you for that that memory uh
0: um, yeah.
2: so that that motions was something he felt the same thing when they were pulled cool. at the end of the korean war they were somewhere in when they got the news, he said they went just to top surface. All all the guys came out in two rotations and all of them started smoking cigar. He said to yeah. this day he can remember which one it was, uh, enjoyed it, and all the motions in there are almost completely identical. And that's yeah. where this whole mission really came to. And you said it perfectly at the beginning. It's it's one of the few things that creates a normalcy out of something an environment that's nothing normal about it at all for us
3: yeah
1: yeah well i I tell you you know what what i love about what you're doing and and i think you know anybody anybody that hasn't served probably wouldn't fully understand it is um you know especially when you're deployed I, i mean even when you're on base but especially when you're deployed it is uh it's a lonely life it's a stressful life um you know when when you're on the job it's stressful during the downtime it's stressful and boring um and and it doesn't take long for for most people to start kind of missing home and questioning their decisions in life you know whatnot you know my my wife uh you know we've been together 30 years married 20 and uh you know i you know I, i i smoke frequently but She'll tell the kids, uh, Dad, "Daddy needs to meditate," and and you know it. It took her a lot of years to understand. Um, you know, she's not a fan of my many bad habits, but uh, you know, there there's something about smoking a cigar, and especially abroad in a in a stressful, tense situation. Um, there's there, at least for me. There's always just a, especially when you're sharing it with others, but even if you're not. Um, there's just a feeling of, of peace and calm and that everything's going to be all right. Um, you know, no matter how bad the situation was or is, um, it just always felt like everything was going to be all right. And, and the fact that you're providing that experience for, for our men and women abroad is, um, you know, it's, it's just noble work. And, and I just don't think that the people, that drops cigars, you know, in in the box. That you know, I've seen the the, the boxes in the cigar shops, and you know, I, I always try to you know double up whatever I'm buying. I, I you know just say to, hey, you know, double this order and throw it in the box. But I don't think people get just how meaningful that is when when troops abroad get a care package you know especially something that it, that you know you know the socks are always nice and handy wipes are nice don't get me wrong but uh but hey you know like if if you get uh some nice cigars um that's uh that's a game changer
2: i would say uh quite confidently that nobody wants hygiene products uh, <laughs> whenever, <laughs> whenever 2003 when <laughs> cna put that out that we were all missing <laughs> hygiene products. That was my longest deployment, almost 17 months. And when me and my six man team were about to get ready to go home, we had so much hygiene stuff <laughs> that we gave it to our interpreter. Now, our interpreter was making good US money uh, yeah. for, for being in Iraq. And he quit being an interpreter, opened up a, what we call it Hajistan, and yeah. sold all of it. I ended up oh, getting yeah. an email from him about six months later. He said, hey, sold everything want to tell you guys thank you i moved i'm retired to, he goes i moved my family <laughs> to jordan and i got a better house in jordan i did here so yeah, right and he moved yeah. about the right time too uh um, yeah,
1: my my buddies would say man if we get one more box full of freaking toothpaste and deodorant i think i'm gonna just take my own life
2: <laughs> well, that, that are very 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 old dry right, girl scout cookies Hmm. Yeah, so, that's
1: true. So, so I love, I love what uh, what you're doing and and the mission of Cigars for Warriors and 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 also just I mean how you have built it, you know, as a true grassroots support, very mission driven, and uh, like minded people jumping on board and helping the cause. Um, I, I think it's an amazing success story.
2: And something I'm proud of that we survived too. I mean. When you're talking about no salary, no paid employees, uh, working with volunteers is a whole other oh, yeah. piece. And I went from a first sergeant to working with volunteers directly. And there was no in the, in the middle of that. So I went from do this or, or else to pretty please can you get this done for me. And that was, uh, that was well, my hardest thing.
1: I don't know about you, but also, I, I mean, pretty please thank you is a, is a big change versus just do it. But, but the other thing I, I I still to this day have trouble with is the pace. Like I'm used to moving with a sense of urgency when somebody says do something. Yeah. Hey, it's a, it's 110% and it is right. Frickin now, and it gets done like yesterday, but you know, when you're working with volunteers and favors and stuff, it's like, sure. We'll, we'll do, Hey, we'd be happy to help you with uh, a website or a brochure or this or that. And like three months later, you're kind of like. Good God almighty. Like, seriously, like, are we still
2: working on this? You, I mean, you nailed it. That's the, that's my personal Mm -hmm. demons that I deal with. Uh, I figured out there's a timeline. So if it takes a military guy half an hour to get something done, a volunteer would take six to nine months. And that's about the right length of time for anything to get done. And it, it, it is, you know, there are people who move like us. My best volunteers, of course, are military folks, uh, men and the women. And I like it because I can tell them with doing something. I don't have to say please. I don't have to, you know, make sure their feelings didn't get hurt. They, <laughs> right. They're like, Roger that, and they they call me back about two days later. It's done. Yeah. Uh, with everybody else, it's it's a different little beast. But but, but that probably-
1: but that said, you know, it takes a team, and uh, and you couldn't do it without everybody involved, regardless of the pace.
2: Yeah, everybody brings something, and it is—it is a full-on everybody. Uh, I built it in a way that I wanted our, you know, bottom tier in the hierarchy, which would be our event coordinators, to be the funnest position. But our goal is, the higher up you go in the hierarchy of CFW all the way to the board, the more your responsibilities are, and our whole responsibility is to support our event coordinators. Um, So, you know. And I always tell our new board of directors, when we get them, I said, first things first is you're here to support our V coordinators, they're not here to support you. Um, right. Uh, this isn't corporate, you know, America of a board where you get paid a lot of money for a two hour you know, board meeting. You're gonna do work, it's a working board. And that's yeah. something that's been different. That's a lot of people don't expect, uh, but I've been very blessed. Probably 90% of our staff that have volunteered Hard workers, and while they're while they're on board with us, they really do a lot of good work. Um, but you know, again, it's it's what saved us. Is, it's regular guys like you that go and donate when they see a box. Uh, you'd be surprised how much of that saved us. Uh, as you can imagine, in 2016, after the deeming went through, where they basically put cigars and vapes under the 2009 Tobacco Child Protection Act, which Obama put out that when we got cigars or vape put in that underneath it, there was a line in this long bill that basically says that tobacco manufacturers cannot give products to charities. So I went from having 90% of the manufacturers on board with this to less than 10% at that. Uh, probably yeah. probably about five companies stayed with this. Now, since then, we've picked up a few more, but those companies are the ones that are like, we don't give a damn. We're just going to send you cigars, yeah. um, and then other companies have stepped up in a lot of different ways that we weren't sending cigars. They were doing other things to support us. Drew Estate, uh, they've been with us nonstop, even with the change. They wanted to keep it legally right, but we started doing the barn smokers, uh, and then every year they were donating close to sixty thousand in cash. Uh, not to mention a multiple different introductions that they've done for me over the years. Um, Bobita. before even had a name, they were supporting us. It. Never questioned us once. Amazing. never wanted anything. We keep asking them what, how we can support them. They're like, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, These are the kind of companies that have just been great. But after the 2016, it was the donation centers. We went from having six months of 30, 30 plus thousand cigars shipped a month by the end of by the end of 2016 january 2017 was our worst month ever it was a little over 750 cigars shipped out so our that month was worse than our first month of existence yeah Uh, now a lot of it stems to because during the in-year holidays i we up the uh, amount of cigars in every box and uh but still so we Change a lot of things up and put a lot more emphasis on the donation centers, and forcing the donation centers to do what they're promised to do, if they still want to be part of the charity, etc. And it really has uh, taken off, and that's where we get a majority of our cigar donations. Yeah, and fest- how, how, festivals. How,
1: how many how many cigars do you think you have uh, you've shipped since the beginning?
2: We know exactly. We, we, yeah, we just broke one point three million cigars since 2012 unbelievable unbelievable. not to mention probably 12 12 and a half 12,000 pounds not 12,000. 1200 pounds of coffee it's for the last 10 years it's not something guaranteed because we don't we can't do it 100 of every box but when we have it they get it uh, every box has had a cigar press magazine and a lot of other magazines uh we've getting stuff like cigars international they for almost three years straight. They've given us over one hundred twenty thousand dollars of gift cards, hundred dollar gift cards. So this allows a young young guy, a private, a corporal, a sergeant, who never could afford a league of box, a league of Bovadas or, a, no. or drones. Now he has a chance to get that box he's always wanted to get, or he just gets a cheap box and he didn't pay nothing. Um, so that's very generous of them to do that. Um, just other great companies we've had pipe companies donate uh one company donated 200 pipes which is the same amount of pipes when you think about it oh um, yeah from just one company uh there's just been other things swag uh other gift cards and you know we try to when someone donates something especially if it's not just a cigar we'll ask them typically is do you want this going to the troops or do you want it to do whatever's going to be best for the charity most people say whatever's going to be best for the charity, but if they wanted to go to the troops, that's where it goes to. For example, if someone gives me a $100 tabletop lighter and they say, use it for the charity, I'm going to do, use it for a raffle. I mean, I'm going to get the biggest bang for the buck. Right. Uh, or if they say they wants to go to the troop, well, one lucky soldier is going to get this $100 lighter and it's the guess who's going to get it. Uh, yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of when we did our million cigar, we put a special box together, wrapped it up, the, the, the cigar itself, and in, in black tape around sram wrap. And we put a letter into the box, letting this guy know that that's a one million cigar. And please send us a picture of you smoking it. And of course he did. Um, and so did that Yeah, that's
3: great. Yeah,
2: pretty special moment, as you can imagine. I mean, I, I honestly never thought we'd get past 20,000 cigars in 20 years. So,
1: well, I tell you, you know, um, you know what what strikes me about this, and and you know, I could already, you know, I mean, we're we're in the the beginning days of ATF, and and I hope, you know, that we have as long of a runway and as much success as you do over the years, and I'm hopeful that we will. But, you know, it, um, I think it's it's easy um, to get a little discouraged and a little doubtful these days. You know, looking around at you know all the chaos and all the noise and you know, the media blowing up these extreme voices that would have you believe that all of America is this way and, you know, fighting and hating and, you know, losing values and morals and everything. And, you know, I'm sure you could say the same thing, you know, as I listen to your stories that, um, you know, that, and, and anytime I kind of start feeling you know, alone that man, am I the only one left that feels this way and loves America and, You know is willing to do these things to you know help our men and women overseas fighting and this and that you know it it isn't long before another great company or a great individual or something just reaches out out of the blue and says hey i heard about what you're doing how can i help and it's like really like you you want it you want to help like just you just want to help you want to be involved and you know there i think there's still a lot of great American companies out there. A great bunch of Americans still believe in in what we have and continue to fight for. And uh, you know, it kind of renews my spirit and gives me hope again that you know everything's right with the world and everything's going to be all right.
2: Yeah, and you—that's that's the best I've heard. It. Um, I I truly believe what you said. And uh, my mindset—I think there's a one percent extreme right, one percent extreme left and the rest of the world or No not matter if you're democrat or republic you're right there in the middle um, yeah. i'm more of a libertarian than anything <laughs> and that, that that blows some people's minds but you know in the day though pretty much all of us are right there in the middle and uh well here's, people here's are maybe, what i
1: say here, here, here's what i say to anybody you know that thinks that they're they're far right or they're far left i mean number one i'm i'm not a person that subscribes to gang warfare. And I feel like that's what it's become. But I say, you know, list the top five things you're willing to die for, and and whatever those five things are, I guarantee ninety percent of America would list the exact same five things. You know, it isn't the things that you're screaming about on Facebook. So, you know, saying it's the end of the or I'm willing to go to civil war with my neighbor over this or that or whatever. It you know, you, you list the top five, 10 things you're willing to actually lay down your life for. We, we all believe the same thing, right? We love this country. We love our God. We love our family and our friends. We want our kids to do better than us. We want the opportunity to work hard and prosper as much as we're willing to work. Like you're right. I I mean, it's all the same.
2: I agree. I mean, it's, uh, I don't think we've gone remotely to the extremes that people think we have with the social media. I don't think there's remotely the amount of people who hate America <laughs> that they you know no. you see on the news all day long, you know. And no. I wish I was rich because I'd buy every one of them ticket yeah. in any country they want, you know. Us right. guys in the military that, you know, one of the things I've I always say around. if you if you really want to know a true person's feelings is have they been stuck at home their whole life, or have they been able to move and, and see the world. Typically, the people that see the world have. They're color-blinded, they are they are they do not really give a shit about politics so much, and they're very much all about the country. There's nothing wrong with having pride and love for your country. It's not being xenophobic at all. And I don't have a problem, I have people all the time sending messages, you know, maybe you should be so strong in the language of patriotism. I said, I'll never stop that, I mean that. I was willing to get my life happily for my country, and there's a million troops out there who feel the same way. And I guarantee yes. there's a million people, you know, there's an ex- there's a majority of the people feel the same way in every country, but especially in United States. We are still an example. You know, but the news in my mindset is what has driven everything. And they're only looking at that one percent cessationalism. Yeah. Create yeah. that drama so people watch it. And the same yeah. thing with social media, you got a bunch of 15 year olds on there canceling culture, everybody. <laughs> And people all think it's this mass amount of people, but the reality is most of them can't drive, don't have a driver's license.
3: Yeah, exactly.
2: And, and what you know what it's got scary is when corporations started paying attention to these people. Um and I'm glad to see start seeing the trend of corporations finally starting to say, nah we're not gonna we're gonna yeah. keep driving what drives us, which is money. At least be honest about what drives you, right? Yeah. So um And then, you know, all of this wraps up to about everything. It's just like the FTA um, with the getting involved in cigars. They have no business being involved with cigars. They definitely don't have a business. When we we had Congressman Hunter's office sent them a message of clarification because none of the congressmen we were working with just really believed that that really meant that we could get – Donations from tobacco companies to send the troops. It's not, I surely don't mean that. Well, sure enough, the FDA said, Yes, we mean that. In fact, we are happy that the, it's going to hamper the troops from getting tobacco. They don't need it.
1: They don't need it. Well, that's and ni- that's nice of them.
2: I really wish somehow that had been leaked out by someone of greater stature than myself because I think most Americans have been like, What? What is yeah. FDA? dictating personal feelings for it so i we finally got it well, go ahead i i'm glad to hear you say that because
1: i mean that that's part of the motivation i think behind the publication is that uh you know our our business is is blessed to have a very very large audience of uh of good hard-working service-oriented americans in different industries and uh you know i always thought You know, how nice would it be if, uh, if we used, you know, our, our outlet, um, our ability to send a message to share stories to, you know, this larger audience, not only that reminds them that they're not alone, but also helps the little guy fight a little bit above his weight class. And I think that um, you know. So this publication and everything we do, it's not focused on the 800-pound gorillas of these industries. We'll we'll leave uh, corporate America and the bean counters to themselves. But uh, you know, it's it's the little guys and and the mid-sized guys and every single one of them. In my mind, you know, I always ask, you know, how did you start the company? Why did you start the company? Like that. Those are the only questions I care about, right? And every single one of those stories feels the same. And it's the story of the American dream to me, right? It's, hey, I was just so passionate about this and I thought I could do it better or I thought I could do it different. And I just got out there and I risked everything and I ground through it. And yeah, you know, like we're doing all right. We're paying the bills. We're not an 800 pound gorilla, but we put out, you know, in their mind, the best product that they possibly can that serves a need and and i love that american dream and i love that it still exists and i just thought man if i could if i could tell those stories to a big audience a way bigger audience than they could tell it themselves um you know maybe i could help them blow up and be their own version of an 800 pound gorilla
2: i think you got the perfect concept i mean there's basically rolling up my three favorite things <laughs> and, you know, and so that read three different magazines, read yours, and uh, I like the little guy. I always gonna like the little guy. I think yeah. most America likes the little guy. Um, yeah. Rocky would the story there. of America. <laughs> All right. It's
1: the story of America. I mean, you know, we fought the largest and most powerful military on earth to gain our freedom. So, I mean, there's there's something there in our DNA, I think.
2: You know, even with our charity, we've been pounded when we got sued by wounded warriors within the first four months, that talking about freaking you out a little bit. Uh, right. But, you know, and I did not know their, uh, their uh, reputation at that point. I just knew most of us didn't like them. Uh, when I was in the hospital, I saw them a lot. And there was a lot of things that I didn't like at all. But I had no idea that they, their usual, you know, MO was to sue the newest military charity. And uh send a cease and desist, and we got ours. I basically sent a letter back. I don't know how it's going to be taken. You know, we, I appreciate your appreciate your thoughts, but as I'm 100% disabled veteran still in the military, I'll have to have the venue moved to my hometown, and I'll go ahead and represent our charity since we can't afford it otherwise. And this is this is where I lied my ass out. I said, but just so you know, I will ma- make sure that at one point." Three million followers we have know about everything's going on daily and if you so you happen to win i'll make sure the two thousand dollars we have in the bank account's gone yeah and then I'd, i'll start another one within a week and i'll go yeah. after your chip. well we never heard anything of it now my treasurer, about shot me over the phone when I
1: yeah exactly told yeah, him what I wrote.
2: <laughs> but it comes out you know 2017 that you know that that was their mo so yeah Um, right right. hopefully things have changed over there a lot but there are so many phenomenal military or first responder charities that i don't think people realize and it's that's one of the one of the pleasures i also get is uh we we like having other charities work with us Uh, but one of the things i do not ever do is step on another charity there are two charities i will step on but meaning is i don't want to (laughs) fundraise with another charity that's going to take it from them. Um, now, because of our, our social media presence, we do have a lot of charities that want them at their events. And so it helps them as well as us. So it's a nice synergy uh, relationship, which is what I enjoy. I, I, it's just so many great people out there. There's great people trying to do the right thing. They just don't know how to do it. And yeah. uh, I always love that's one of the things personal things I get out of it. I like to give them advice. And see it work. I like seeing the new cigar retailer or manufacturer call me and ask me for advice and I'll tell them. Um, I run a festival so whenever people call and ask me you know advice for running a festival, I'm pretty honest when I tell them don't do it.
3: Yeah, don't <laughs> you do know, it exactly. You no
2: know, you're just going to be in the red um, But this industry as a whole, as you said, I think it. cigar smokers are different is because you're, you're taught to slow down yeah and people don't know how to slow down anymore When you do slow down people start feeling guilty or whatever their mentality is it just doesn't feel right they got to have a tv on a computer on a phone on and, and talking to someone on the phone so slowing down smoking cigar i think it's the ritualistic of it is really good for people you know we've had people of course say can't believe you're sending tobacco to the troops that's just wrong of course, I start out <laughs> with, I start out with all the great stats. You know, number one requested item by our troops. Yeah. We know this because it wasn't a three-minute survey by CNN. It was a three-year survey done.
3: Right.
2: Um, we had a very large population pool when we did it. Uh, coffee being number two and video games being number three. Now, depending on what year it was and what area yeah. operation, coffee and video games switched my right. problem is I i never drink coffee in the military i drink like, coke, and i never was anywhere i could play a video game so yeah right those are those are new things for me uh one of the things i think you'll get a kick out of is a few months ago i got a guy texting me from syria he's texting me we never had the you know we had big big ass Meridian phones you know Yeah. We didn't have a personal cell phone. No. Especially not Middle East or Syria or Iraq or any of those places. And I'm just tripping me out. I said, Are you lying to me? Because
3: because he gave me his APO.
2: So they were going to go back. They go back to Iraq here and there. And that's where they'd have their, you know, they get their mail and all that. So he, sure enough, he got it. And, uh, but it still was a trip getting a text message. Since yeah. and I've probably gotten a good fifty, fifty-five text messages from guys yeah, all over the be, world.
1: That, that was going to be my next question. Like I bet, um, I bet you get uh, a lot of feedback and a lot of thank yous and a lot of everything directly from you know the receiving end. Do, do, you know, are are there a few that that stand out as especially, you know? Um, you know, meaningful or, or just reaffirming that, you know, I, am I'm, I'm sure this, this isn't easy what you're doing and it relies on a lot of people and a lot of individuals all working hard and being charitable. And I'm sure there's times where you just put your head down and go, good Lord, like what, what am I doing? You know? But then, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure as, uh, you know, whatever higher power decides to let us wake up in the morning every day and do it again. Um, you know one of those messages usually comes through the you know gives you the pat on the back and says all right you know keep keep up the fight
2: i mean i would say there's a couple of things um you know of course i get burned out just like any other person does one of the things that gets me re-motivated is meeting our recipients yeah um that always 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 motivates me because they some of these guys will travel hundreds of miles and they hear us being an event. Um, over the years I've ran into different groups of guys, the stories they tell me are just, you know, some of the stories I've been told, I would never put on the website, even though it'd be the no. perfect, perfect, <laughs> you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking Testi- for?
1: Testimonial. Testimonial. Yeah. Yes.
2: Perfect testimonials. Yeah. They never said I could. not I just felt like no one would ever believe right. in the first place. Um, you know, one of the stories a gentleman told us, he was a first sergeant. In 2003, there were a ton of suicides. A lot of it was yeah. anticipation because we were sitting there in Kuwait waiting across the burn. They we just all these horror stories coming in about the fetidine yeah. and chemical agents going to be used on just yeah. every day, all day long. And so this stress of the anticipation. And again, this is me talking, not a psychologist yeah. by any
3: means. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, so. And I, you know, that's one of the things I would do is take my rank off and after a bad day and tell the guys, you've got two hours, say anything you want, and you're gonna smoke a cigar. Now, yeah. I thought that was an original idea and I was some, I was a really smart person. Well, come to find out that's the norm. A lot of guys have been doing that right. since Vietnam. And I had yeah. no idea, I just thought I was doing something smart. But, right. you know, it's the same philosophy as crisis management debriefing. When you're first responding to police, or cr- or prisons, you
3: have a uh, say
2: a hostage situation. At the end of it, you sit down with, with everybody there, and you debrief everybody. Well, that debriefing yeah. is a way of understanding what's going on with you. Well, for me, for two hours, I could sit there observe my guys, and uh, they weren't back in a corner somewhere reliving this crap. Yeah, and um, allowed them to know at least these little groups started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. Well, since we've started this charity, there was no such thing. I don't. I'm sure you can tell me the same. There was no such thing, as far as I knew, of any cigar club no. in the military. No. Since since then, there are hundreds of cigar official like got five hundred one c seven documentation of being military cigar clubs with tons of chapters and a lot of, them. like the Taliban cigar club, which I just <laughs> think is great.
0: The name of just shows.
2: <laughs> Shows you how so, perverse all of us are. Um, uh, they have tons and tons of chapters. And then you've got clubs that are, you know, they're, they're based off army, based off a certain branch or they're based off of a certain camp a certain AO or a unit
1: or yeah, absolutely all over the place.
2: And you got, you got contractors that are in part of some of these clubs. Uh, so it's been really neat watching the, the, the way things have changed. And one of the things we always preach to our manufacturers and retailers is, guys, that, you know, appreciate your donations, but you also got to think of this for you. This is an investment. The yeah. largest growing community of cigar smokers is the military. Yeah. Because there's the big push on cessation of cigarettes and stuff. But one thing the military yet hasn't touched is cigars, because there's so many traditions around cigars. Yeah. We've yep. been very blessed, and the military caucus supports us. Uh, there is now a new cigar caucus of 27 members, and uh, we're pretty excited working with those guys.
3: That's amazing.
2: So, the gl- goal is to get our exemption. Now, I was pretty, as you can imagine, it really threw a wrench in us when Trump put out the 21 years or, or older for smoking, t- using tobacco. Uh, to me, it, but it doesn't make any sense. But for Texas, they did the same thing, but what we did in Texas, right before Trump did it, we got an exemption for all military. So if you had a military ID, you can get whatever you want. Yeah, um, And I'm still a firm believer. If you are- If you're, certain, for, if you're absolutely. serving. You're serving enough responsibility if, to hold a weapon.
1: Don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't get me started. If, 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 you're, if you're old enough to die for your country, you're, you're old enough to do these other things
2: too. I'm a full believer in exemptions. Uh um, yeah. now given I also believe that as a country, you got to make a decision. We had decided if you're eighteen yeah. or older if you're an adult or if you're twenty one year old or an adult. it can't be both I agree it, it just can't be both so um, I think I went way off track of your question
1: no i I was just asking you know if there's any memorable feedback oh. that you'd received that kind of inspired you and that you kind of keep in the back of your mind uh
2: Well, I got a letter from a mom that I love telling about. Uh, It starts out horrible. It starts out. I hate all things tobacco, all things related tobacco. I hate the companies that make tobacco. I hate people using tobacco, et cetera. But, and it's the next paragraph starts. I want to say thank you to your charity. Talked to my son now three times prior to getting your package. Uh, Every time i talked to my son, he felt it sounded down. Uh, it didn't sound. It just scared me. Ever since you got your packets, it's he's talking about was the next cigar he's going to get. You know, yeah. once again another package of cigars that has really made a difference for him and his whole squad. You know, so I, she goes. So I'm including two thousand dollars check, and I want to say thank wow. you. Wow! So That's one, amazing. from it went from me only almost automatically throwing it away and not reading anymore to plane yeah. blown away, and I love that story. And I love the fact that we've had psychologists get on board and put their names behind this, basically saying the mental health benefits outweighs any potential health risk. That's a lot for MD or psychologists to put their name behind. And we've been very privileged in having that. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I, so I, I think, you know, and anybody, it's easy for all of us, right, that uh, – you know all of us share these these hobbies and these values and you know as a bunch of guys we can sit around and talk about alcohol and tobacco and firearms and we're all on the same page And you know the world's an easy place and those discussions come easy but you know a a lot of people don't like one of the three a lot of people don't like all three um but but i think anybody who you know i I'll, i'll take my wife for example i mean she's she's an angel why Why she had a weak moment and said yes to me, I have no idea um, to this day. But, you know, even her, you know, if if I've had a rough day and I walk in the door and she kind of sees it, you know, she'll let me put my stuff down, sit down, let the kids, you know, jump in the lap and do that. And then she'll she'll kind of whisper to the kids and she'll bring over a cigar and pour me a whiskey and say, hey, you know, why don't you go out back and just kind of you know, download and recharge a little bit and then come back in the house and, you know, I'll have dinner ready. And, you know, so, so even for people that don't necessarily, you know, uh, do it themselves when they can see the benefits of it in, in, you know, in, in somebody being their best selves, or at least trying to get closer to that best self, um, you know, that's indisputable.
2: I mean, you, you pretty much said some of the st- same stories. My wife does same, she'll, we don't have kids, but she'll see that I've had a potentially, you know, I, I'm on the phone, it seems like 10, 12 hours a day. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's she'll see if I've had a potentially stressful day and she's like, why don't you go outside? I'll water the plants and you can smoke a cigar, which still to this day, trips me out that she would say that, I mean, she should be right. saying, why don't you get your ass outside and water the
3: Yes. Yeah.
2: Um, so she sees a bit of it. what's been really cool watching her. She's a great example. As you said, your wife is that she's, she didn't want to be involved in the events. She's very shy, but she's the years She's gone to more and more events and she started to start saying stories. of, you know, I think it's great for the troops to get it. She starts quoting the the doctors. Now people complain to her she's like. You understand that it's the mental health benefits right. always a potential health. For seeing my wife and it just makes me proud. Yeah. It just, it also gets me excited that she's involved with what I'm doing. Yeah. And some of our, and the reason I bring that up, some of our best volunteers are the husband and wives. Some wives that smoke, the husbands don't or vice versa. Not all our cup, power couples, that like I call them, smoke cigars. Yeah. Uh, but they are the best volunteers because they motivate each other. Yeah. Instead of resenting one of each other, they have, now they have a whole new topic. As you said, you've been married 30 years, you said, or been with her 30 yeah. years? Yeah. You know, we've been married 25 and together, 28. And I always tell guys, you've been married over 10 years. You need to find a conversation. <laughs> you need to find a new yeah. theme. It's a, you gotta work on it. I said, I said so I, I get a new volunteer. I always tell them right up that, before you agree to doing this, Talk to your spouse. Talk to your significant other. Number one, make sure it's okay with them. Take care and right. get their blessings because if they right. don't give you the blessing, I'm going to tell you, don't, don't volunteer. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. enjoy it, and it's going to harm you. Number two is get them involved with you, and give you a whole nother world of talking and re-motivation, and you know, just getting yeah. your marriage a little bit of excitement.
1: And it's been surprising
2: it. how many great couples we've had doing that. Um,
1: That's amazing. And, so.
2: But yeah, as you said, we've had some great stories from our troops that come back and it has, uh, you know, one of the stories that we got at CI around at 2013, a um, group of guys came in and there's five of them, four of them made it, the fifth one actually died on the way to Cigar Festival, all things had a heart attack. But they continued on to the festival, of course, they were incredibly emotional as you can imagine, they were for different troops, different report, I mean, different units, but they got together at the smoking club in Afghanistan. That's how they became close friends. Yeah. They found out Cigars for Warriors were gonna be there, so they all came up, and that was gonna be something to do. And they decided to continue on because they felt like the, the gentleman who passed away would want them to do it. Well, they're telling us a story, you, I don't know if you remember to Cigar Fest, that's a madhouse. It's 3,500 yeah. people a day in this little building. Um, well, they're they're telling us they want to do a couple of purple heart photos. So we're doing that. And you start telling the stories, of how much the cigars meant to them, uh, what it meant to them in country, what it meant to them right. today. Yeah. And after that festival, I ended up having six volunteers. And to this day, I still have those six volunteers in Pennsylvania. So yeah. as you were talking about those stories, yes, those stories are very powerful. They're not stories I normally would ever write down, uh, because they seem sensationalized, as you would say. Right. But they have the, the motivation that, that gives our volunteers year after year of coming back. Cause historically, when you look at statistics, a great volunteer lasts in charity about six months, and that's it. Right. So having guys year after year, that's when we you ask how do you know you've been doing something right? That's truly when I felt like we were doing something right. Uh, yeah. people kept coming back. Uh, when you had troops coming back and telling us all these great things. So those are all motivations.
1: You get it- you That's hit amazing, it man.
2: Right on the head. That's
1: amazing. And well, it, listen, you, you've been uh, incredibly generous with your time. I mean, why, why, why don't you tell us, like how, how can we help? You know, all, all of us out there, you know, everybody who's listening to this, how how can we help you further the mission? Because what you're doing is, uh, you know, again, I, I think to the normal person throwing a cigar in a box seems meaningless, but they they just have no idea how powerful that is in so many important things and in, in keeping our troops uh, centered and focused and and you know feeling like they have the support coming from back home.
2: Great question. Now there's a lot of different ways volunteering, of course, is a huge Help for us. If you had a skill set you really are good at and you want to use it for the charity, trust me, I'll find a way to use it. Uh, if you want to be an event coordinator, which people really enjoy doing because you get to hang out with the reps, you get to hang out with the manufacturers and shops. Um, and then we had the other thing would be sharing. If you see our post on social media, share it to your public. Your public, sure. people talk to you, completely different people that watch us. So it's getting our name outside of the cigar industry which helps a lot um other ways it's just as you said donate when you see a box or ship them directly to us uh, you can go to the website anytime and donate monies uh, as you can imagine we run on average of 16 to eighteen thousand dollars a month uh, expenses a lot of people don't realize how much money we spend on just postage and websites and all these little nickel and dime things you have to do yearly Payments to Florida and to the federal government for changing a form. Um, those are the bigger ways. Uh, talk to your shops if you don't see anything about us. Why aren't y'all supporting CFW? Uh, one of the things I love, though, hearing from shop owners who join us, they don't want to hear the benefits because they're in their mind, they're not doing it for benefiting the shops. But I always tell them, I said, This is America. Don't be ashamed of making money off of the charity. They he still have our, to buy the
1: cigars. Right. We're not asking the shop to donate the cigars.
2: We get our donations naturally if your shop is doing better because of us. And right. if you guys are bringing cigars from home, yeah, you want a, them to donate in your shop because they're going to around and buy more cigars, put them in your box. You know, it's all works for your benefit. But don't ever be ashamed of making money. Uh, we write, I have a, I write an article in Tobacco Business every issue, different ways to make money using a charity. Because again, whatever your motivation is, don't be ashamed of it. CFW will get our donation statue, And if your company's growing because of our support, we're, our donations get better and better and your support right. from you gets better and better. Um, we love doing that. Uh, we love being involved just as the next guy does and just, I guess, spread the word. Um, Talk to a congressman. You know, that's a big thing is we need that exemption where manufacturers could donate to us freely again. Right, uh, That's it. I mean, those are the biggest ways of doing it. Oh, support our Synergy program. Uh, we have uh, three new cigars out made by different companies. First one's Hiram and Solomon. Second is Caldwell. The third one just went out in the last two days. It's from Ventura. All three of them were made is our showcase cigar. All three of them is made uh, where the manufacturer donates 100% of their profits to CFW, which is just unheard of. Amazing. They, you can only get them at our donation center. So it's a benefit for a cigar shop to be a donation that we're trying to get back to them. And it's easy for these shops to buy. There's no minimum of 20 boxes, no contract signed. You buy tw- two boxes and you're done. Uh, It's an easy way to support the charity. Buy coffee. Uh, When you go to our website, there's a couple of coffees on there. Uh, When you buy the coffee, yes, we get a little bit more, a little bit of money. But what is so much more important is that coffee company donates the same blend back to us. We'll put your name on there as a donor. So now we have a full bag of this high-end boutique coffee that we send to the troops. Right. All because you bought yourself a bag. It didn't hurt right. you. You'd have to pay more money. There's no extra anything involved in it. You just buy the coffee at the normal price. Um, retailers, we have a Synergy's coffee where you can buy coffee, and it goes on the shelf. Uh, we've actually said no to any profits, give it back to the retailers and the coffee company turns and donates the bag back. So let's okay. say you want a c- cigar shop or whatever shop, and you put 60 bags and your account, you buy 60 bags. We'll actually work with you and change up the branding. And you can have your own coffee for your shop. That's wow. for CFW. It's the same blends, Um still integrity. Yeah. It's called integrity. But
1: it's su- yeah, but it supports your own their own brand. brand.
2: Supports yeah. their own brand. We redo the whole way it looks. And we still get the same, we still get the same boutique coffee sent back to us. And it's so it's a benefit to everybody. It's a win-win-win. Like we like to say, um, we don't want anybody to ever suffer s- from supporting us. We want everybody to come out ahead, whether it's good feelings or business. Uh, that's a strong philosophy of ours. Hopefully, that'll never change.
1: Well, I, I, I love the philosophy of all boats rise, and and you know it's a big reason why you know we're doing what we're doing, and uh, you know a big reason why we wanted to reach out and spend some time with you today as well because you know we're just trying to build a community uh, full of people that uh, you know we'd we'd like to sit down and have a cigar with because you know they're like-minded strong values hard-working americans like yourself so uh, you know count on us for uh, you know pushing out the word and doing everything we can to continue your mission and uh, i'm just grateful for uh, the time and especially everything you're doing everything you have done as a veteran to uh support the freedom that we all enjoy and uh everything you're doing to to carry on that to uh, support those that are in harm's way still
2: well thank you for your service as well thank you for your support of the charity and the troops um you know as our motto says live to serve so many ways to serve um, i like saying serving those who serve us protect their rights while they're protecting us